Hi, I'm Martina McBride. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories. But you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart, and this podcast is not suitable for children. But then, neither is the music business. (laughs) So light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. So we're here with the great Lori Morgan, whom I used to manage, and Evelyn did all of her publicity for many years. And it's interesting how I discovered Lori Morgan. I was driving out to the Ralph Emery show which no one will even know who that is anymore. <laughs> but I was, it was called Nashville Now. Nashville Now, and it was a very well-known and very great show. He had everybody on before they were big and even after they were big. And uh, Rising I, and falling stars. That's right, rising and falling stars. And I heard Laurie singing a song called Dear Me. And I couldn't believe it. I pulled the car over. And I thought, oh, my God, this is such a great song. Who is singing this? <laughs> and it was such an unbelievable. I love that song I still to this day. Uh, who wrote that song? Carson Witsit and um, Scott Mateer. Yeah. And both of them have passed away. They have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. You know what's weird about that song? I did the original demo to it. Did you? Yeah, I kept it in my pocket. I promise. In my car, in my purse, in my back pocket, whenever I went in to play any of my music for anybody, because I did the demo, and I'm like, this is a great song. So the first couple sessions I did with um, Harold Shedd, um, Blake Mavis, a couple other ones, uh, Tony Brown, I, I would play them, Dear Me, and they'd go, that's just not, I just don't like that song. It's just not you. I don't know. And so anyway... When RCA hooked me up with Barry Beckett, Dear Me was the first song I played for him. It had been about nine years since I cut it. And, I, and we were down at Jack McFadden's office, and he put it in. And I, I don't know if you remember Barry, but he, he would just sit there and he'd be kind of like, he didn't say much. He was just kind of, you know, very uh, thinking the whole time. And, and he, the song finished, he looked at me and he said, God, please tell me that's you singing that song. And I said, it is. He said, that's your first big record. Well, it worked because I heard it and I just loved it. uh, I loved it too. And I was working for Stan Morris at the time. You know, maybe we should do, Barry Beckett was a big producer. Oh, yeah. God, he produced Bob Seger, all the great Bob Seger stuff. And he did uh, Torn Between Two Lovers by, oh gosh, I forget forget her name. Torn Between Two Lovers. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Now we know the song. (laughs) But uh, Jack McFadden had Billy Ray Cyrus. And, and he was, Keith. And, and Keith Whitley, mm-hmm. who was Laurie's husband. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he did Jack, Jack did the... Uh, Jack was, was a great character. Oh, my God. My God. He was one of the first guys I met in town. He was always, if he, if he was in a room, the focus was on Jack. He made the, the focus be on himself. But um, he... He was a powerhouse back then. What was that song of Billy Ray Cyrus? Achey Breaky Breaky Heart. Mm -hmm. And I remember Evelyn and I driving somewhere, and she heard Achey Breaky Heart on the radio (laughs) and said to me, that is going to be a huge hit. And I said, nah, I don't think so. (laughs) 
kind of like um, Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. like Forrest Gump. Like yeah. my, my, I had a big affair with a writer. I think he's still alive. And I went down to see him <laughs> in Mobile. And I had just written my book, Good Girls Gone Bad, which I thought was going to be a big hit. And he had a book called Forrest Gump. And I remember thinking to myself, that book is not going to goddamn sell. Nobody cares about that title. Well, meanwhile, it came out and was a huge book, and no one's ever heard of Good Girls Gone Bad. Winston Groom was the writer. Oh, I know. But Barry Beckett was, is he still alive? No, he died. Mm -mm. That album, that first album of yours was such great Was that the first single? It was, it was actually the second. Train Wreck of Emotion. Train Wreck of Emotion was the first single. It went to like 14 or something like that. And then Dear Me came out was my first top 10. Went to number nine. Were you married to Keith at the time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was actually, that vinyl album was the last LP before they they went to CDs. Wow. And now they're bringing them all back again, of course. But that was the last one they made. That was an LP before we went over to CDs. Well, see, Lori was so interesting because all the people that came out at the same time as her such as Clint Black and Alan Jackson and all of them, they had not been around doing the Opry, and they were not part of the country music nation. But Laurie's father had had a huge hit called Candy Kisses. George Morgan. George Mm -hmm. Morgan. And he was out at the Opry, and Laurie at that time was the youngest Opry member. And Laurie grew up at the Opry. I grew up. Because you lived here, and that's Mm -hmm. where you hung. That's where I, I mean, every Friday and Saturday night, I was at the Ryman Auditorium with Dad. Um, The other kids were gone to dances and, you know, parties and stuff, and I was kind of the the geek who didn't want to go. I just wanted to go hear music and play music and hang around with Grandpa Jones, and, you know, I mean, that was like my life. And, you know, her father went out on the road a lot, but back then... There were no tour buses. Everybody went out in their car. There, a few of them had a tour bus, but my dad wasn't fortunate enough to have one. He, Who did he go out with? Little Jimmy Dickens? Oh, Little Jimmy Dickens, Bill Anderson, Hank, Hank Williams. They all went out in cars, and yeah. they would sleep in the car. A sleep in the car. And, they, and it would be Dad and his musician, whether it's Little Roy Wiggins or... Uh, uh, Buddy Killen or somebody like that. Buddy would go out and play bass for Dad. And then there would be Jean Shepard in the back seat with her train case and another guy and another musician and the bass fiddle on the top of the car. And they'd go out for weeks at a time. And um, I, I don't know. They, they had, that was, that was the, the cornerstone. That was the cornerstone. Of country music. And that's kind of... Uh, where I came from, seeing how it was built from the bottom up, and uh, and all the changes uh, lately have been very um, strange to me. Uh, but well, because because of you, that's how I thought country music was, and I learned so much about country music from Lori and her family, and you know her father and Candy Kisses and. You know, Laurie singing at the Opry and running around backstage, Bill Anderson and Jeannie <laughs> Shepard. And then you you had an album come out. Yeah, and you know what's, what's good, though? I mean, um, they made me a member of the Opry before I ever had a single. I bothered them so 
bad. I was in Hal Durham's office every week, knocking on the door. Can you make me a member this week? No. You know, he had kind of the Ralph Emery kind yeah, of voice. Boys. He was like, no, Lori. And he I, was head of the Opry. He was the manager. And um, finally, I just said, well, I'm, I'm going to sit here every week. I'll be here every week, almost every day, till you sign me. And I was in great, I mean, I was in high school then. And Where did you go? St. Bernard All-Girls right. School. And um, so anyway, when I was 24, I think, he finally agreed to make me a member of the Grand Ole Opry. And I was the only one other than Justin Tubb, who was Ernest Tubb's son, who was made a member of the Opry at that time without a hit record. And it was because of our dedication and love. Uh, for the Opry. We've talked many times on this podcast about the lack of women, you know, uh, that are really active and getting played on the radio versus, you know, your Listen, time, there were many more women, even was, though we bitched then. They, they, we did bitch <laughs> a lot, but I have, I've listened to the radio station. Uh, I don't listen a lot to, you know, daily radio stations uh, other than one in Panama City that Plays oldies. <laughs> uh, they play the oldies, and and I love to listen to them because it's they don't you don't you don't have to suck up you know it's just they're going to play great country music. But I've been on the road and I've turned on radio stations in the room, and I bet you maybe one in fifteen is a girl that they play. Oh, you know, and I it's, promise it is unbelievable, and it's never changed. And you know that's what pissed me off so much about the CMA show this year. Oh, it's the year of the woman, they said, and so many women are on. But that's bullshit. Nothing has changed. And that's why I thought the CMA well, it's show... Well, gotten worse. It's I mean, gotten worse. There I used to be a lot more women. When Laurie was happening, there was Laurie, there was Patty Loveless, there was... Kathy Mateo, Kathy Mateo Susie Boggess, Pam Allison Tillis. Allison Krause, Pam Tillis, mm -hmm. Trisha Yearwood, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Yeah. Leanne Walmack. Leanne Walmack. Leanne Rimes. Rimes, yeah. Uh... Reba. There's a, there were a lot of women. Let's just there say. were a lot. And now there's hardly anybody. Miranda and Carrie. Well, it's funny. You know, I was listening to an old album the other day. I mean, it, it, of KT's. It was her last album. And one of the songs I thought, God, this should be heard, you know, because it wasn't, you know, that big an, an album. album cut? Yeah. Well, the whole album was an album cut, mm -hmm, you know, as yeah. far as radio was concerned. And I was trying to think. What female could I pitch this to that would really? No, and then they were none. Who's know? cutting? <laughs> well, and forget cutting, but who is actually? There's not many. No. And everybody writes with their own little posse now. There's no yeah, outside it's songs. Weird. And now the big thing is Me Too. And back then, mm. there was so much flirting and all that. Can going I just on. tell you how much trouble I got in by Joe Galani? We back were talking years. about that. How you suffered the wrath of. Being the provocative. Of being provocative. And now you look look at the halftime of the god dang Super Bowl. It was crotch city. It was all about the crotch. It was all about the crotch. But even with all the Me Too and the Grammy scandal and all that, you know, then women need to take their rightful place and be strong and be resistant. And then you look at what's on stage. It's all thongs and bustiers. Yeah, so, and so Lori took so much shit for, I, you know, nothing because she, she showed a tiny bit of cleavage. She or cleavage. And I, we all had cleavage. I'll tell you how many of them touch butts yeah. in meet and greet. I was just going to bring that up. I just watched the Taylor Swift from Miss Americana. 
and the whole thing about that guy grabbing her it's ass. Terrible. And we know that's true. And, and Taylor had to bear the brunt of it. But and, you know what? And she was like 17. Yeah, you're right. And I'm sure it happened a thousand times it to you when you were 17 and, and 18. And I got into, oh, even in my 20s and 30s. And 40s. Um, let's they would just tell it. Yeah, let's be honest. Uh, now, not so much. However, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's a rough business. And I've always, often said, this is not a business for sissies. Sissy and women. Um, don't make it. No. I should have turned around and smacked the hell out of them at that time. But, the but thing I'm like, oh, wait. Can I do that? But they were afraid they wouldn't get airplay. And now you see that it doesn't even matter. Well, it's a different world. The streaming. internet changed everything. And well, yeah. being able to, you God, know, access music. Having to get in cars and go on a radio tour and planes and get off and go to four or five radio stations a day. And then you pull up to a radio station. Oh, we didn't know she was coming. Um, well, and I, you know... Remember, and just generally, you know, it's easy to kind of talk Susan into stuff. You know, she'll go along with it. And Lori <laughs> could talk her into anything. <laughs> and did, because Lori's, you know, much more willing to take a risk or a chance. And they would go on these trips, like Hawaii. And fun. Susan went up in one of those things with Morgan. Yeah, she What are they called? The parasail. The parasail. I almost... <laughs> Literally, almost <laughs> shit my pants. And you there. know it. She's terrified of everything. I'm so scared and of she... heights. And there I am up there with Morgan. You said, Mo, I'll go with you. I'll go yeah. with you. Yeah, I remember I made him bring me and Jesse down because I thought Jesse was, was going to so slip little, out. I thought he was going to fall out of your leg. I know. <laughs> fall out of my leg. But I can tell you, we had some hysterical times. I'm sure that a lot of people have. But do you remember when you did the video with Christofferson in New York? Oh, God, oh, yes. That, was, that nice. was a phenomenal song called I Guess You Had to Be There. Uh, that was one of her biggest songs. And it was a gorgeous song. And you and Chris riding down Central Park in the carriage. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I am not kidding you. That, was, to me, was one of the ultimate times in my career was getting to know Chris. You make... you. Make, before he left that night, you were like, Laurie, sing all your songs for Chris. I'm sitting there in the hotel room in New York. Say, well, sing the one about the willow tree and blah, blah, blah. And, Poor but Chris. anyway, he, and then uh, they were like, uh, you have to kiss in this scene. And I was like, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to kiss Chris Christopherson. Oh, my God. I know. They thought she was so provocative. Meanwhile, it was a much more innocent time. <laughs> it really was. It really Do you, was Do you remember innocent. the sweater I had on at the yeah. beginning? High, High neck. High neck turtleneck. It, it was, it was um, uh, what's that? Uh, ag, um, Angora? Angora. And it was itching, and it was hot, <laughs> and it was orange. Yeah, but she had to wear that. You know, nobody wanted her to be provocative, God forbid, around Christofferson. <laughs> Yeah, and we were thinking the other day about the Beach Boys. Oh, When you God. did that, don't worry, baby. That's another dream come true. I'm telling you that. I mean, you know, you know, the first time I ever saw the Beach Boys, I was 30-something years old, been in love with them since I was a teenager like every other girl. I found, finally saw them in Ireland. Oh, you're the kidding. The Beach Boys in <laughs> really? Ireland. Really? Swear to God. My sister Candy and I were in... Um, uh, Dublin saw Molly Malone that day and the Beach Boys that night, so it was pretty crazy. Lori sang "Don't Worry, Baby" uh, with them. 
and they just went crazy over you. And we and we were doing the publicity for the project, yeah. which was um, Ricky Van Shelton. Yeah, what Dallas was it Fraser wrote it. Dallas, I told you, he's one of the most great writers. But we wanted to do a single on Laurie's song on the "Don't Worry, Baby." Yeah. And Joe Gallant, they wouldn't let us have single rights. Remember? Really? Yeah. Well, I don't think I probably even told you. No. And you we were out at the fairground. We had never the the uh, fanfare had never done a show on a Sunday. I think on it was Sunday. before, and we we we're going to you know represent the album. And booked everybody with the Beach Boys, and it was a huge turnout at Fanfare. Yes, it was. It was and the biggest turnout of the whole crazy. year. And and Lori had on this great like sarong and like a bra top, <laughs> of course. It was a Hawaiian little. <laughs> it was outfit. a little. It was like a uh, bathing suit top and yeah, a um, and a sarong. And a, yeah, just a scarfy like bottom, like very Hawaii looking. It was <laughs> such a great show, and everybody had such a good time on that album. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What was your biggest single? Something in red. That was that was that was an impact single, but that wasn't the one. It that only went to number six. Which on was the come Monday. Come Monday. That was uh, someone else's. I had except for Monday. Oh, except for Monday. <laughs> Monday was KT's. No, come yes, Monday was. was also come Monday. Oh, Jimmy It'll Buffett. It'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, which one was yours? Except for Monday. Except for Monday was a big that was one. a huge one. And what part of no? What part of no? That was maybe the biggest one because that became a big part of the lexicon. Everybody would, if you wanted something and you didn't want to do it, you'd say, "What part of no don't you understand?" Yeah, and I was nervous about putting that song out. Remember? Yeah. I was like, I don't want guys to think I'm being a hard ass or being you know slamming guys or anything See, people thought about that back then now they don't care i know and i shouldn't care as much as i do actually i'm getting ready to go in and do a new album and i have no idea what the hell i'm going to do i've been talking to richard about it but i don't you know it at this point i'm doing it for my fans and for me i mean that's you know that's what i'm doing it for i'm not doing it to go get airplay or you know, I, I just want to create music. I, so what I want to well, do. That's what you what always wanted to do. Well, and I think that in some ways, you know, today you have more opportunities to yeah. do, do what, what you, you want. want. You don't have to have, you know, a half a million dollars to go into a studio no, and don't. all of that. Remember you how can, much they used to charge? Oh, my I God. I remember how much I used to get for signing with somebody. Yeah, where does the money Whoa. go? We don't know. For Where's, show me the, the money. money. But I'll tell you, the thing is, you know, a lot of people your age can't sing anymore. But your voice, to me, sounds better than it ever has. Well, when it quits, please tell me. Yeah, right. I'll be the first. I, don't <laughs> think I, would. I mean, your voice sounds just incredible. Well, I, I, you know what? Since I quit smoking years ago, I, I've got better wind. I've got better control. Um, and I enjoy singing. I really I know, enjoy singing. Did. Uh, more now than I ever have because I think there's just less pressure on me. Yeah, you know, true. it's like I go when I go out on the road. If it ain't fun, I'm coming home. Are you doing dates with Pam this year? I've got um, a couple with Pam, G and G, Grits and Glamour. That was fun. That was a great. It was a photo great, shoot. and you know what? We did a, an incredible album. Our last album was Come See Me and Come Lonely, where we cut all those great country classics, mm -hmm. and we did a duet or. Yeah, on there with uh, Joe Diffie and, and Daryl Worley and me and Pam. Uh, you remember the old song, uh, Strawberries, Cherries, and I the do. Angels Kissing Mine? Yeah. Who sang that? Nancy Sinatra and uh, 
I can't remember his name. Sergio somebody, I think. Mendez? Franco. No. <laughs> well, I don't know what his name was. I don't remember his name. He was a black-haired guy, kind of looked like Gilligan from Gilligan's Island, but I don't think it was him. But anyway, we did that song, and it should have been released to radio, and, you know, we should have done it on award show. Because people still, I think, if they were, will look back and think back, they still love good music. They do. They've been they've been hypnotized by all the hip hop. Well, not just the hip hop, but the technical part, the yeah. the lights, the, the the outfits, the and this year on the road, I left all my gowns at home, um, all my dresses. I'm going out in just jeans and a t-shirt, and That's great. I'm just going to sing. That's great. That's all I'm going to do. I just want to sing, and it's not about you know, the crotch area or the or the chest area. It's just about I got a hurt knee and I'm wearing I'm wearing tennis shoes on stage, but I can still sing. So that's why I'm going. Well, maybe your knee will be better by then. Well, I leave today. Well, I, I think, think so. your audience is going to love it. Really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I've always loved just seeing seeing you sing in a real relaxed situation. Well, I, that's what acoustic. I want. That well, I, I, it's I not loved acoustic. it when you sang up there with just a couple people mm. in a circle. Well, actually, we did it with the full band, but it was all acoustic. Everybody brought an acoustic instrument up. But um, that's what I do with Pam. But I have got a great band. I, and I've always prided myself on how good my bands were. Um, but this is, this band I have now, they're called, <laughs> they're called the Good Boy Band. Oh, good. Good boy. <laughs> that's right. Good Who's boy. Who's good boy? So, uh, but they're great. And we're going out, uh, we leave tonight, and it'll be the start of my... Are you leaving from here? <clears throat> well, no, I'm going to Jesse's. Jesse Keith. Yes, I'm going to his house, and uh, we're going to go to dinner, and I'll see my grandkids, and then I'll go to the bus. And it's hard for me to believe you have grandkids. I have ten. No, you don't. Yes, I do. They're not all yours. They're I not mean, all Morgan mine. and Jesse did not have five kids, no. kids apiece. No. Morgan has two. Jesse has two. And then we have, um, gosh, Randy. another grandson in Nashville. That's five and five in Florida. We got three boys and two girls in Florida. Are those Randy's grandkids? Mm -hmm. Well, they're, you see they're them a mine. Lot? They call me Gigi, so it's like, I mean, they are. My, I mean, I feel like they're mine. Do you see them a lot? We, you know what? Thank God for FaceTime, because that's how my my grandkids are staying in contact with me. God, if I'd have had that years ago, when you went on the, on road. the road, and I could have watched ball practices and. You know, Think about Tammy, who wrote that. What was uh, that song? Dear daughters. daughters. Dear Daughters. And I uh, wasn't there. I know it. And once again, I, was, I wasn't home. I wasn't mm -hmm. home. Boy, that was just a killer song. Lori's father is the one that found hot chicken in Nashville. He really is. Mm -hmm. I know. She talked about hot chicken since the day I met her, which is about 30 years. I used to skip school to go down to the little chicken shack downtown to eat lunch in my school uniform and take all these girls with me and we'd go down and sit and eat lunch um leave leave campus and everything but my dad back in the 50s um he came to nashville in 1949 from where so it was uh, ohio he was born uh, up in well he was born in waverly tennessee but they moved to Barberton, Ohio, when he was little, and then he got a, a job at Worcester Radio, and 
the Opry had just let Eddie Arnold go. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they were looking for somebody with that, that kind of voice to replace Eddie Arnold. And uh, so they got Dad. But one night after the Opry downtown at the Ryman, thank you, after the Opry, Dad literally followed his nose to the smell of this chicken frying and found himself on, I believe it was on Jefferson Street back then. It was just a little brick old block building. And there was one door in the front and one in the back, and that was it. And they, and <laughs> there was like a vent or something on the roof and just smoke was just coming out and dad walked in, there was a, his Opry suit and everything and he said, boy, something smells good. And they said, Mr. and he said, I'm George Morgan. And they said, Mr. Morgan, we got the best hot spicy chicken you've ever had. And from that night on, we were addicted to hot chicken and we stopped every week and we'd take it to the Opry to let other people have it. And then, um, I mean, Dad would bring it home every weekend from the Opry, and we, that's what we looked forward to, was Bolton's chicken from the chicken shack, and then, of course, other people had started getting the chicken. Uh, Andre Jeffries took it over, or took one of the uh, franchise and made it Prince's Fried Chicken, and now, um, and then Sammy Kershaw and I had a restaurant called um, HotChickens.com out on uh, O'Hicker Boulevard. Uh, out 20 West. I remember going out West. there. Yeah, it was a, it was a great restaurant. And um, and now, uh, oh, and there's another really great um, uh, hot chicken restaurant in Nashville, 400 Degrees. To me, it's the best hot chicken. Where is that? It's on Clarksville Highway. And what the place you'll never find. Sammy's restaurant was? No, no. That was towards Clarksville. Wait, that was a really delicious restaurant yours and Sammy's. Well, this one now that me and uh, Randy have down in um, Panama, Panama City. City Beach is called the Chicken Coop. Right. And uh, it's right across from Pineapple Willie's right across on, on the Gulf and uh, we have finally got it perfected within the last month and it is we are booming. I mean business is crazy great and we're getting ready to open up the back deck uh in about a month and we're going to serve uh, raw oysters and baked hot spicy oysters and so we'll be the only ones on the beach doing that so it's really cool and we got a lot of entertainment in there a lot of people come in and in sing and uh, we got karaoke and every, people just come and have fun and it's just a really it's really a... Um, do you have potato salad there? We do. <laughs> <laughs> we have that potato Is salad that that you potato like. salad? Is it that hot potato salad? No, warm, there was... Warm potato yeah, salad. Yeah, that was Because I remember Sammy making it yep. for us up at yep. your house one day. That's the that's the recipe we have. Plus, delicious. Plus a little bit um, different. Or is it mashed potato salad? No, it's, no. it's, it's potato salad, but it's kind of mashed. It's got hunks of potatoes in it. It was so good. And, oh, my God. Oh. It is really good. And we've changed the recipe a little bit. Do you have dessert? We have desserts. It's it, a restaurant. They, they, I know, but you well, don't know. It's a hot chicken it, restaurant. It differs every week. We have Sometimes we have key lime pie. Randy makes cookies every week. Does a few he? times a week and, you know, puts them out. And last, for Super Bowl, we had hot chicken and green chili that I made. And... Um, we got just a great staff down there. It's fun. We've got great locals that come in, 
and it, it's just really a cool little hang. I mean, I'll say that that you have always gone when you've owned restaurants, gone there and cooked and mm -hmm. participated. I mean, that's really nice to see that somebody that you know. And, takes and an interest. Oh, it's not I just do. an investment. I You're do. there. And I, and I was pretty strict when we first, I mean, I said, look, this isn't just frying a piece of chicken. you got to know how to do it and what it's supposed to taste Who like. Who did you bring down? Did you bring anybody down to teach him? No. Well, yeah, I brought Billy down to teach him a little bit. Oh, is he? Billy is awesome. What is he he's doing? He's working at another chicken restaurant for right now. but he's In town uh, here or in mm -hmm. town in Panama City? No, in pa here, in, here in Nashville. He's, uh, but they, they also sell fish, and um, so it's, uh, it's tricky. <laughs> it's what? <laughs> tricky. It's tricky. It's chicky, tricky, fishy. Chicky, tricky. <laughs> so, but anyway, the restaurant's called The Coop. We have a lot of entertainment. We've got um, a lot of Nashville acts coming in. Marcia, you know, Marcia used to sing with me. She's yeah. coming in. Uh, Johnny Rodriguez told me he'd come in and do a show. What about Pam. Brittany? Where is she? Brittany's living in Phoenix. Does she still sing? I don't know. I don't know anything about Brittany since uh, George passed away. She sang with George there mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah. She was my background singer for, sorry, she was my backup singer for a long time. Years. And, and then she was George's. So, speaking of George, where's Nancy? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we don't. Somewhere with our money. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't take that out. <laughs> don't worry, he won't. <laughs> Susan. And, and poor Laura, she was another young person constantly around George Jones and yes, I, growing up with him and but duetting. You know, can I say something about George? He was always nice to me. He never, as bad as he was to musicians and monitor techs, God, I remember that time at Opryland when he punched out the oh sound man gosh. during the show? He punched out a lot of sound guys. <laughs> oh, hey, go get a GD hamburger, you know. Leave my sound alone. And but he was and it's sad, always, but he was right. <laughs> always nice to me. And I never understood why his monitors would feed back like that. Why would they? I why know would they? He said sabotage. It says damn Suge Baggett. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You know, who knows? Who would have sabotaged George's monitors, though? But, um, but Susan, back to you singing, um, she would come in and sit in my sessions, and she'd say, Laurie, I think I could should try and sing this song. <laughs> I, would say, I would say, well, let me, let me clear it with Stroud and make sure it's okay. They were all crazy because the albums were costing like two fifty. <laughs> and Susan... Would take the time and first day she went in, she sang Misty Blue. You, she went in the studio and all of a sudden in her little vocal booth became a nervous wreck. <laughs> I had no greater need. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I would sweat. I was so nervous because I, I would think that I was going to sound good. I had a dream in my head that I sounded good. And then I, and Laurie sounded so great. I thought, well... <laughs> <laughs> that is the secret of the studio. <laughs> Maybe it's the booth. <laughs> it's not the vocalist. Maybe it was my... Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe, and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up and lighten up. Share and tell your friends, 
then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a, uh, you know, word of mouth thing because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Joel Beaver. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Schaefers. He is also our engineer and editor.